This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR. R-A-Z-O-R. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ, Rotowire's hockey podcast show. I'm Paul Bruno, your Statsman, and you can follow me at Statsman22. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, AJ Schultz, who's a great follow at AJ Schultz24. I'll spell that for you because he's a great, great follow. AJ, S-C-H-O-L-Z, 24. Uh, good morning, AJ. How are you doing, buddy? Morning, Paul. Glad to be back on and uh, here for all of all of our listeners, uh, I, you were telling me before we got on the air, it sounds like we've got more and more people joining us. Yeah, our listenership is growing steadily, and uh, I guess it's because you're giving out such, such good information, rivaling me with all the numbers that you're throwing in. I thought I was the only stats man on this show, but you're, you're uh, a worthy rival and a great co-host, uh, providing all kinds of information, including some, some keen AHL updates from your neck of the woods there. <laughs> in Wisconsin area, so that's very cool. I've never had that in in a number of years that I've done this pod in other other circles. But uh, since joining uh, RotoWire, uh, you've enhanced my you've enhanced my reach, and uh, we're both better for it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as I do every week uh, before we get started here, just want to remind our listeners, you know, throughout the week, if you have questions about uh, your lineups, fantasy hockey, or just hockey in general, uh, you can always tweet at us. And we'll try and answer your questions either during the week um, or you can always, uh, you know, we'll look at some of those questions that come up and uh, save some for the podcast as well. Exactly. Well, why don't we get into that with our our weekly sweep and uh, we will start in alphabetical order as we always do. So let's hit up the situation in Anaheim where finally Hampus Lindholm uh, has hit the ice. He's got three games under his belt, hasn't really hit the score sheet yet. And they also got Ryan Getzlaff back in the lineup. 
Another note there that's interesting to me as a Leaf fan is Jonathan Bernier has won two of their last three games and uh, his first two victories of the season. He's looked okay in the Nets. So why don't we start there and tell me whether you think he can uh, he can challenge for the the role that Gibson has or uh, or is he in his his new lane? And and what about the other two notes that I mentioned? I, I do think I have some concerns about Gibson. Uh, seven goals allowed in his last two games. You know, it's his first uh, season as a true number one, and and I'm not sure he can, you know, continue that and how well, I'm not sure how well he'll hold up. And you might start seeing a little more Bernier, um, which, uh, as you know, being a a Leafs fan may not be the best thing for the team. Um, You know, I I still expect solid things from Getzlaff. Um, You know, he'll take a little bit to, to get back up and running, but he should be, you know, back on track pretty quick. You know, Lindholm hasn't done a ton yet, but again, you know, this is just the start of his season. This is really kind of almost preseason for him. There's a lot of rust to shake off, and, and I think it's going to take some time. I agree with you, and uh, I, I pointed out Getzlaff in our notes because wasn't it last year that he had a terrible start to the season too, and he had like one goal in the first two months of the season, and he's doing it again. But last year, he had a torrid second half and, and helped the club rise right through the Western Conference to challenge for the conference lead. So wonder if that's what's in store. This is a team that knows how to get to the playoffs, and when they do, they're, they're apt to make some noise. So I, I just think it's the same thing. And don't, don't worry about the slow start with Getzlaff. He'll be there with the point totals you expect from a big guy. There's big news in Arizona off the ice, AJ. And, and this hits close home to me because i got family there. And I've seen where Glendale is uh, in relation to where all the population of the state is. Glendale was a hockey uh, outpost. Uh, that location was terribly chosen. Even the locals said, you know, why do we have to drive an hour, over an hour to get to this arena in the middle of nowhere? Now they're talking about a place in Tempe, Arizona, which is right near the airport and, and Arizona State University. So you know they're targeting the university crowd there as part of their audience. But it makes such sense because it's in a real big population center. And so that's what's happening off the ice. On the ice, they have a little bit of concern, I think. We've talked a little bit about some of the teams that have gone for a big youth movement. And Arizona is right at the forefront of that with the, the stable that they're collecting. But if you add up the totals of Domi, Duclair, and Dvorak, they each have only one goal, while uh, Dylan Strom has not scored yet. That's four young guys who are supposed to be part of the core of this team, and they've got a total of three goals from them. Meanwhile, Radim Verbata, who was their big free agent signing is in his second turn with Arizona, leads the club with six goals. Yeah, I think it's time to send Dylan Strom down. Uh, send him back to juniors, let him develop a little bit more. You know, you don't want to waste that that first year of his uh, of his contract or that extra year of his contract on a basically busted season at this point. Um, even if they get Mike Smith back, I just don't think the pieces are there for them to right the ship. And so in, in that sense, you got to think ahead a little bit, get Strom back in juniors and then, you know, bring him up next year when you hopefully have another year under his belt. You can add a few more missing pieces there and get things back on track in that new arena yeah uh so that, that's something we will watch for uh maybe what's got, holding this guy back is he's not the great skater that some of these other guys are that's i've heard that as a criticism of him he ran roughshod over the junior uh, ranks because that wasn't really exposed as much but now uh, against the nhl where the game is a little faster maybe he's he's being exposed a little bit there are ways to fix that there are a lot of skating instructors that work with the nhl clubs so if you got him in your, and stashed him in deep in your roster don't give up on this guy he's got tons of skill and uh, 
I think they're going to find a way to get out of them eventually. How about in Boston, AJ? All the talk is about Tuka Rask right now. He's uh, the best goalie this side of you-know-who in Montreal. We'll talk about him in a little bit, but look at the numbers. 10-1 with a 154 goals against and a 945 save percentage. Uh, if it wasn't for that guy in Montreal, Price, uh, or what's his name, he, he, this guy would be the talk of hockey right now. Uh, so that's what's going on in goal. And finally, up front, uh, Dave, Dave Pasternak uh, has 10 goals. He leads this club on the attack, and he's finally delivering what many hope for uh, in his background. And uh, as far as free agent pickups, I raised a spocky an eyebrow when David Bach is signed with the Bruins. But he's done okay. He's delivered seven points. He's a plus nine in 11 games. That's a pretty good return, I think, for a guy who they thought was going to be a shutdown center, a big body presence on the power play. He's doing what they asked of him. Yeah, I agree. I actually think Backus could, you know, if he keeps it up, which I personally, I believe he can, he could go down as the best summer uh, acquisition heading into this season. You know, and, and what, what else can you say about Tuka Rask? You know, they had a little blip there while he was out. Um, so there are definitely some concerns about who's behind him. Uh, hopefully they'll be able to lean on him until Q Dobin gets back. Um, but yeah, it's, it's Tuca or bust. I, I said that at the start of the year and it's, it's definitely proven true there. Uh, so hopefully for, for Boston fans out there, he can keep it up. Yeah. You mentioned about Kudobin. He's back skating with the club, uh, finally ready to get over his injury concerns and get back into the practice. Uh, at the beginning of the season, we thought he would challenge Rask for playing time, but he's got a long road back, uh, considering the bar that has been raised by Rask in that instance. But Kudobin is a capable backup and he'll share, see his share of playing time when he gets, uh, back in the lineup and healthy in buffalo they gotta get something out of evander kane he's back in the lineup hasn't shown anything on the ice he's gonna get first line minutes with sam bennett and kyle Pozo. meanwhile ryan o'reilly is out with a mid-body injury that hurts this offense they're already missing jack eichel who's just started skating again but is weeks away i feel bad for the whole buffalo circumstance aj because this is a team that is rebuilding the right way and injuries have gotten in the way of seeing how far they come. They've come with the way they set things up. So uh, there's three names there that I mentioned: O'Reilly and Eichel. But Kane is the one who's in the spotlight right now. Yeah, the future's definitely bright, as you mentioned. But uh, yeah, they just can't seem to get healthy. Uh, it's sounding like they're going to make one, maybe two more call-ups today, even um, due to some other injuries. You got Dmitry Kulikov's hurt. Uh, Zach Bogosian's banged up as well. So, uh, yeah, it, in, in these situations, you know, the teams that get through these injuries, uh, we'll talk about Dallas in a little bit. They're getting through theirs, and, and they have got some of the worst injury situation. But your biggest guy has got to step up, and Evander Kane's just not doing it. He was a minus three in their last game. His minutes are dropping off uh, the first three games he's been in. Every game he's played a little bit less. So it's, something's going on there. He's got to get his head right. I don't know if it's the off-ice distractions, if he's still kind of recovering from that injury, but uh, something's got to change in, in his play if they're going to survive the season. And over in Calgary, somebody's got to tell Brian Elliott, this is not the St. Louis Blues 
defensive structure that's in front of you and you got to really carry more of the share of the load look at his numbers so far aj you called this better than i did i'll get, tip my hat to you he's sitting there with a 336 goals against and a really bad 882 save percentage it's not like he's seeing a ton of shots though he is verging on about 30 in every appearance that he's had that three and eight one loss record though is a glaring statistic that tells you all you need to know about that uh, that signing and where they're at but up front it's it's also made worse by the fact that their top line guys Monahan and Gaudreau are both sporting minus ten rating. What the heck is wrong in Calgary? I, I think it's more the the defense and, and Elliot. I mean, there's only so much you can blame on the defense. At, at the end of the day, the goalie's got to stop the puck from getting into the back of the net. And I think Monahan and Gaudreau are just victims of that. I mean, Monahan's averaging almost 19 minutes a game. Gaudreau's over 19 minutes a game. And so somebody's got to be on the ice when these guys are giving up goals. (laughs) Um, So, so far it's been them. You know, it's definitely a concern if you're a fantasy owner of either of those players, but they're on ice projection, especially Johnny hockey's uh, numbers. You know, it means for me, I'd be willing to overlook that plus minus rating. Maybe I bring in another guy to kind of even them out. Who's got a good plus minus, but doesn't have the numbers and basically make one really good player out of two guys in that case. Yeah, there are more and more teams that don't have the depth to have a solid first line are doing that. We see that around the league, and maybe that's the model they have to follow. A great suggestion as you put your coaching cap on. I hope uh, that some of the coaching guys are listening to these podcasts <laughs> to get take advantage of that tip. It's a good idea. In Carolina, this is a team that's starved for goals, and uh, I look at a guy who is uh, flying in the face of that trouble, and that's Sebastian Ajo. I got to see this guy play in the World Juniors for Finland a couple of years ago. Really impressed me. Big body presence and great offensive skill. He's kind of like Patrick Laine light, I I will say, if I can compare. He's got nine points in 14 games. Uh, for them and but on the flip side uh, there's got to be a little bit of concern on defense they they made a high pick out of Noah Hannafin and all he's got to show so far is seven assists but a minus eight rating I wonder if there's too much pressure on this kid to carry the offensive load one guy that might help in that regard from the blue line is Ryan Murphy a guy that's a local talent here that I got to know a little bit about and uh, he's a bit short in stature but boy he's got tons of skill and and i think they're bringing him along really slowly waiting for the light to click there and if it does they got a real bonus on their hands on the blue line so what do you think about the carolina situation the three guys that i mentioned right there it's definitely not going to get better defensively uh in the short term you got justin falk going on ir yeah he's going to be out for a little bit uh so that's going to put even more pressure on on guys like hannafin and it'll get Ryan Murray uh, some, some, or Murphy, excuse me, some play time. So maybe that'll help kind of ease him in a little bit more, get him on the ice. But I'm not seeing a whole lot of scoring on, on the back end from them. And the one thing I want to highlight here for, for fantasy owners, it can be easy to overlook a team like this. They're third in the uh, third worst in the league in terms of uh, the standings. And sometimes you just want to not touch a team like this, but there are scores on this team. You know, uh, Paul, you mentioned Sebastian Aho. He's would be a great pickup if he's available in your league. And in some cases, I'm not suggesting all the time, but in some cases you got to overlook how bad a team is and try and pick out the diamond in the rough there. See, that's one difference between you and I. Sometimes when I prepare for a season long draft, particularly I put a big X through a club like this and move on because I don't want to be part of any global scoring crisis, but your point is taken and well-made because they're even on the worst teams. There's got to be some guys that play power play minutes 
first line minutes, and those guys can't help but get scoring points uh, just by accident, even in those circum- high <laughs> high return uh, circumstances. In Chicago, one guy who I'm surprised that it took uh, Artem Anisimov to become noted as something of an offensive force, because last year and this year he's been surrounded by the same tandem of Panarin and Kane, and that's all you hear about in Chicago's offense when you hear about that team. And uh, yet Anisimov, who was a 42-point man last season, season, is now sitting with 17 points in 15 games he's better than a point per game pace and surely to goodness gonna smash that 40 point mark and finally uh, be a part of the offensive fun that the other guys are having there another young guy that's worth mentioning is tyler mott they've had to make a changeover in philosophy in chicago because they have so many big contracts they fit this rookie in he's got six points and a plus five but it's worth noting that he's just sustained a lower body injury and he'll be out for a couple of weeks but i like what he brought to the table for this club and they probably can't wait to to get him back in there and let him pick up where he left off yeah mott was a little bit of a surprise for me i did not see see him coming uh kind of came out of nowhere just because as you mentioned paul they're they don't normally toss rookies into the wolves there in Chicago, um, but he's definitely done well. And yeah, I'm not sure why why it did take so long for Anisimov to start clicking with those those other guys. But I, I'm expecting closer, if not breaking 50 points. I think you're dead on there. He's going to have a career year. Yeah, I think so too. In uh, Colorado, we'll move on over there. There's a team that's struggling with production from the blue line they've got some names back there that make you think it shouldn't be as bad as bad as it is and i'm thinking primarily of eric johnson and tyson barry they've both been very disappointing and more troubling than that is semyon barlamov's really struggling in net he's got a goals against well over three and a save percentage under 90 percent and those are two glaring figures that make me wonder if calvin pickard is going to pass him in the goalie depth chart because pickard is sitting there with a 208 goals against and a 92 percent save percentage maybe that's one of the ways they can they can start to right this ship but they need more production out of out of the the defensive leaders and then uh, nate mckinnon has got to do better than eight points and a minus five in 14 games as well absolutely paul nothing's really going right in the mile high city Um, i do think it's time to switch over to pickard i I think he's uh, earned his his chance to to be a number one you know and offensively you mentioned it in their last uh in last seven games they've lost five and the combined total of those five losses uh, for their score was four to twenty. Wow! Um, so yeah, <laughs> nothing is going right there, and they are going to get Blake Como back, um, but they're also going to miss uh, Matt uh, Matthew Shin. So guys coming in, guys coming out. Uh, something's got to got to give here. They got to figure something out. And I do actually think a lot of this goes back to Patrick Waugh's surprise departure. I don't think anybody was prepared for that, and I think it threw the organization into chaos a little bit. You know what? That that harkens back to a conversation we had in our preseason episode, and I thought it was totally unfair and earned Waugh the moniker for the, the my rant of the week. You don't bail on a team that close to trailing training camp. It was a shot across the bow of the entire organization, and they're still paying for it as far as I'm concerned. And if they ever get a team in Quebec City, this guy is probably ticketed to get a trying job there. But I hope that people that are around that situation realize what he's done twice in his career. I'll do a mini rant again. He walked out on the Canadians after a blowout loss years ago, and he walked out on another organization when he didn't get his way in terms of the coaching reins here. That guy's toxic as far as I'm concerned. 
I have nothing good to say about him. Uh, one team that I do have lots to, uh, good to say about is this my second favorite club. They went on a rampage <laughs> against the Montreal Canadiens. We talked about that, had some fun with it, but they did it again. They've got two blowout wins under their belts in the last little while. But the key right now for a uh, uh, Columbus team that is looking at better fortunes all of a sudden is that Sergei Bobrovsky is really playing lights out hockey in 12 games, a 233 goals against average, a 93% save percentage. These are stats that the former Vezina Trophy winner is more uh, known for than the struggles that he had in the last year and a half. So I'm really pleased to see that. I wonder if they can bottle up some of the offense so they're, they're scoring at better than three goals a clip. But uh, a large chunk of those goals were in two games. You wonder if there's some consistency in the offing going forward. Yeah, it has me a little bit concerned about picking up any of their any of their players that might be on the waiver wire, just because I'm I'm worried that those stats are a little bit inflated, uh, that they're not actually going to be able to sustain those numbers over the course of the season. Um, but you hit the nail on the head with Bobrovsky. Uh, you know, Bob's probably looking at third best goalie right now with those numbers any other year he'd be sitting at number one maybe and a leading candidate for the Vesna. but you know with price and rask uh performing as they are somehow he gets pushed down to third uh, almost a forgotten man in some ways yeah and and you know what we can't give a proper assessment of the dallas Stars situation you already touched on the fact that they're still nursing a whole whack of injuries on the offense consider like the likes of uh, Jason Spezza only playing nine games so far but uh, and Sagan for his parts doing what they're expecting of him at 20 points leading the club in scoring Jamie Ben is at 14 points a little less than we expected from him Klingberg on defense with a couple of goals uh, but then I, I think the focus here is in net and and you wonder I, I think I give a slight edge to Kari Lettinen in terms of who's winning that goaltending battle but neither one of these guys has been really good at all they're both sitting with goals against north of three and i i just think that this is an albatross that's going to hang over the the heads of this team until they move one of these two guys and straighten things out a little bit more on their roster i think maybe a little bit of defensive help but really straightening out the net mining situation should be a priority here they're spending too much money on in the nets and they could help the rest of the roster this is a good team that could be great yeah i'm gonna go a slightly different route for goaltending with them you know, the silver lining of having as many guys out as they have, um, some of these guys have gotten more playtime than they would have otherwise, and it could make them attractive to another team. I think it's time for Dallas to seriously consider bringing in actually a different goaltender oh, and, and okay. just shedding one or both of the others. Um, you know, maybe they can trade away for, for either Bishop or Vasilevsky, uh, if, you know, depending which way Tampa wants to go there convince Pittsburgh to give up flurry or maybe even make a play for Jimmy Howard. Um, they could certainly use some additional scoring help in Detroit. So I, I, I think maybe it's time for them to just bail on, on what they have all together and try and find somebody else. That would be interesting because the, you would have to get uh, a team to take a big contract on that might cost them prospects too. We've seen that uh, where teams do a salary dump and they have to send another prospect along the way. You wonder if Dallas has the depth in their system to pull that off to rid themselves of of what we both agree is an albatross in gold. Way too much money committed and not enough quality. I I int- appreciate the point you're making in terms of maybe going in that other direction and finding a better alternative than the one one of the one of the two that they have in in house. It'll be interesting to see what they do. They do have to do something. And yeah, it's tr- interesting though. Uh, sorry to cut you off there a little bit, Paul. It's, it's interesting because they you know they have um, 
enough talent. I think they're a win now situation. And so the goaltending is what's holding them back. You know, some of these guys that they have are are getting up there in age a little bit. And so they have to win now. And so I I think it's time for them to consider more, you know, mortgaging the future, if you will, a little bit and try and bring in somebody um, who can help them get that win now. And maybe they take a lesson from the Detroit Red Wings. This is a team that all of a sudden is bringing guys up that are less than 20 years old. They've done it with Dylan Larkin with great success. Now, Anthony Manta might be the next guy in that pipeline who gets a good look. This guy is a top prospect in their system. He got 19 minutes of playing time in his season debut. And I think there's a top six role in store for him at some point. And that they have an interesting circumstance as well. Uh, Jimmy Howard may have opened the door a crack for for Peter Morazic to get the number one job back, though. Uh, Howard is another guy with a big contract, but he's been playing better than Morazic so far this year. I wonder how you see the Detroit net binding situation shaking down, because uh, I, I was surprised that Jimmy Howard has been off to such a great start. And it makes his contract a little more palatable, maybe not such a rush to get rid of him, and maybe some more time for seasoning for Morazic, who is their goalie of the future. Yeah, I thought it was all said and done for Howard already. I, I figured he was maybe a, a trade deadline dump. You know, there was some talk of him getting traded in the offseason, too. Um, but Morazic has struggled, and, and I've been surprised by that. He had a strong end to uh, the 2015 16 season. So, yeah, not really sure what the long-term answer is there. I do think eventually Howard's going to be gone and Morazic will be their goalie of the future, but he's got to figure it out, got to you know, get mentally tougher, I think, in my opinion. Um, and just a, a heads up to, to fantasy owners out there, sounds like Vanek is going to be back on Sunday. Uh, should be good news for, for fans and fantasy owners alike. Well, it's good news for you and me because we're on different sides of that equation. I don't think much of him. You think he's got some stuff left in the tank, and we got a loony versus a Canadian dollar, a U.S. dollar on that one. So I'm hoping he comes back. He falls flat on his face. <laughs> but one, I expect and, nothing but good things. There you go. And one guy who has fallen a bit down flat on his face, and it speaks to what's happened in Edmonton for the last several years, that every time they seem to get a first-round pick, they – they put them right into the lineup, and these guys struggle mightily for the most part. Jesse Pugliarvi shows only three points in 13 games played, so he's past the 9-10 game threshold that's going to burn a year of his entry-level contract regardless. And uh, he's got three points to show for it, playing only 11 and a half minutes per game. This isn't good. This isn't the way you develop a player with the skill set that this guy has. He was the third draft pick behind two really good players that we've talked a lot about it at the NHL draft who have, have done very well in the NHL so far this year. I don't like this situation, and it just goes hand-in-hand hand what they've done time and time again in Edmonton, blowing uh, the early careers of, of a number of really high draft picks. And then I'll also add in, they really trumped up the talents of one Darnell Nurse as a an offensive phenom on the blue line. And what's this guy done? He's not scoring many points. I believe he has four, and he's a, he's... Uh, that's in 16 games, and now he's playing third-line minutes. So the, the Edmonton Oilers have a way of ruining the trajectory of a lot of young talents in their system, and these are just the most recent examples. they got to stop that. I agree. I, I think they've got to eat the contract year, and they can still send Puglia Jarvi back down to juniors. Yeah, it hurts them you know, contract-wise, but if he's not producing, all that's going to happen is he's going to slide down the depth chart, and that's not going to be good for him either. You know, eat the year. You made the bad choice, but get him down to juniors, boost his confidence back up, and bring him back next year. 
And uh, over in Florida, there's a general manager that's been taking a lot of bows. That's Dale Talon for the team that he assembled. This team was uh, up, upward, um, upwardly mobile in the standings last year, threatening for the division and the conference title, it looked like, all year long in the East. And this year, they're struggling mightily out of the gate. And the struggles begin and are highlighted very well by the top line's inefficiency offensively. We all love Yarmir Yager, but the guy's got one goal in 15 games. His center, Barkov, has two goals. And that's, you know, when your top line, uh, two-thirds of it's got a total of three goals, that's that just symptomatic of a scoring issue that's affected this whole team. I didn't see it coming on the first line, but when you look at the depth of the roster, there's really not a lot of big names that follow these guys, and, and you could have seen this coming, I think, a little bit. Yeah, I'm surprised that they've struggled so much. I mean, I think the Bukestag injury and uh, the Huberto injuries have, have impacted them more than I, I think even I expected. I, I thought they could carry through and still, uh, you know, they had March Assault, who they brought in, who is their leading scorer. He's been doing okay. Um, but, yeah, the guys that have been supposed to step up in, in these injury situations have, as you said before, fallen flat on their face. Yeah, and in Los Angeles, we both get to take a bow because of what Dustin Brown has done. First, they stripped him of this ca- the captaincy, and I thought that would be a blow to his pride, but uh, they had a need offensively in the top six, and he filled, he's filled it in. He's on pace for a 40-plus point season, his best start in four years so far this year. He's flying, flown in the face of some struggles that other players are having here. Uh, when you consider Jeff Carter's leading the club with 11 points, and Anze Kopitar, for his part, has eight points in 15 games one of the stunning and great bits of news for them is that after the injury to Jonathan Quick Peter Budai holds a really nice goals against average well under three in 14 appearances yeah I'm a little surprised they didn't uh, give Jack Campbell any opportunities but uh, you know Budai has been holding up well it'll be interesting to see what happens when Zakoff is ready to go Um, do they start splitting them do they let Budai just keep rolling until Quick comes back um, so it'll be interesting to see how they handle that situation moving forward. Well, and now we're in the Montreal circumstance. This team has stunned me, quite frankly, with uh, the fact they have a sparkling record. And, you know, if we had to pick the uh, league's MVP, it'd be the goalie right now. We'll talk a little more about him at the end of the show. But I'm surprised with what they've done in the first line most recently. They've they've put Paul Byron, who's been nothing but a career-long plugger up there, and he's thriving uh, or at least getting a chance for a longer look when you consider his work with Radulov and Galchenyuk. Radulov, who's been uh, a, an experiment that, that went well so far, they signed him as a free agent for $5 bucks, and he's delivering with 14 points and a plus 7 and taking first-line minutes on the power play and regular shift with Galchenyuk. Yeah, Byron has, um, you know, the last five games, he's got five points, a, a plus 6 in those outings. Uh, so he has been doing well. I, I have concerns from a fantasy standpoint, even though he's on that top line, just because he's not playing on the power play. Um, but if you need, you know, some some fill in guy who can help you out, as long as he's on that top line, he should still get to see some solid minutes and, and some solid production. And the one guy who gave Nashville some solid production is is uh, that kid Forsberg. Had, uh, he, he, he's a guy that broke through and became an offensive juggernaut for this club over the last year. Philip Forsberg is sitting there now with one goal and 10 assists. That leads the club, but they have to be concerned that he's only got the one goal under his belt. And beyond that, uh, they look to James Neal to carry the offensive load. He's got six goals and only four helpers. 
that's their top two scorers on the team. Beyond After that, they've got nobody that's even got 10 points so far this year. So it's looking all of a sudden like the same old Nashville Predators. Uh, when you factor in uh, the uh, the note that Pekka Rinne is playing lights out in net with a 213 goals against and a 93% win percentage, it's like the Nashville Predators of about six or seven years ago, despite the fact they've added several named players who really aren't delivering the goods here. Absolutely agree there, Paul. You know, I think some of uh, Forsberg's goal struggles have been that he's kind of shuffled around the lines here and there. He's been up on the top line. He's been down on the third line. He's, he's definitely moving around. And I, I personally, you know, uh, you mentioned coaching uh, earlier. I, I like to have consistency in lines. I want guys yeah. to get to know each other better. I want them to gel together so that some of that communication, both on on and off the ice becomes nonverbal. Um, so I, I, I think that's what's holding Forbesford back. I'd like to see them just find a fit for him and just stick him there. And you mentioned Peke Rene. I think some of uh, the fans in Smashville had heart attacks yesterday when Mrazic got called up. <laughs> it sounds like it was just a maintenance day. Rene should be back. I expect Mrazic to maybe already be back on his way up my way to Milwaukee. Uh-huh. Maybe you can give us a, a minor league scouting report on Mazanic, and we'll see how that turns out. Uh, New Jersey Devils, this is a team, second team that we've talked about for that, for me, gets a big X through it. Look at the scoring, the distribution. They've only got three guys with over six points in 14 games played. And again, Corey Schneider deserves a purple heart and net uh, 2.24 goals against average. That's lost in the middle of this lack of offense in New Jersey. Yeah, I, I do think they're starting to turn it around just a little bit. They've got 13 goals in their last four games. So it, but they're still, they're still that one goal team, maybe two goals if they get an empty net when they win. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't expect a lot offensively from them. I've been surprised by uh, Damon Severson, what he can do on the back line, especially his, his power play numbers have been pretty decent. Um, but you're right, Paul. If it's if it's not for uh, for Schneider there, this this team's way down south in the standings. Yeah, and I'm I think the Islanders are headed in that direction too. With the losses they suffered, we highlighted that possibility, and they're certainly living down to it right now. And a big part of that is the struggles in net. Yarrow Halak has been widely rumored most in the last few weeks to be on the trade block, but he's not doing himself or the team any service when you consider his goals against his north of three and his save percentage is right around 90%. These are ordinary numbers. Teams will not pick up a big contract like his and, and solve the Islanders' dilemma in the nets there. And, and offensively, Tavares is looking around going, where's the rest of the scoring coming from on this team? <laughs> yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, a little bit of good news, bad news on, on the blue line there. Travis Hamanick, who is expected to be out uh, for several weeks, is is actually going to give it a go tonight. But then on the flip side, Dennis Seidenberg went on IR yesterday. So good news, bad news there. I, I do think you, you've highlighted this before. The, whole, the carrying three goalies thing is just holding things up for this team. They're actually going to go 11 forwards and 7D tonight when they called uh, Scott Mayfield up on, a, on an emergency recall. So I, I'm not sure why they're doing this. I, I think they need to send somebody down to get that extra depth uh, in the lineup there. Yeah, and you know, you know, on defense, they, they've really got a lot out of them uh, as a group. The 13 goal of the 40 goals this team has scored have come from their blue line, so at least that part of the game is working well for them. But there's uh, plenty of other holes uh, in the wall there that they got not enough fingers to plug them, I don't think. 
In New York, uh, my our, my co-host on this podcast, uh, Andrew Fiorentino, who's a good friend of both of us, he really touted J.T. Miller, and he opened my eyes about this kid last year. And look at what he's done this year, 15 points and a plus 14 on his ledger. Great numbers for a guy who's, uh, to your point earlier, he's fit in on first, second, and third line roles in New York, but he's found a definite home as a top six forward. And another guy that shocked me, quite frankly, I watched Michael Gradner play for the Leafs all season long. He's got 10 goals all at even strength, which is tops in the league. And last year, he could not buy a goal in Toronto. It was It's just a remarkable turnaround. I don't know if I would pin my hopes on him, but of the two, I certainly have more more expectations for Miller to keep things up uh, in this regard yeah Grabner's on an unbelievable pace I, I'm right there with you Paul I did not see that coming you know you mentioned the 10 goals uh, last season he only had nine he only had eight the year before that and 12 the year before that so I mean he's on a pace that he hasn't done uh, you know he had 34 back in the the 2010-11 season uh, so maybe he can reach those numbers again or, or blow them out of the water, to be honest, with the pace he's at. I think he's definitely the biggest surprise on that team. How about in Philadelphia, one guy that I really like in fantasy because he plays a lot of power play minutes as well as first line minutes is Claude Giroux. He leads the NHL with 10 power play points so far. But I got to tip my hat also to the 38-year-old defenseman, Mark Streit, who is uh, fighting the ghost for power play time there uh, he's got 10 points and he's tied with Gostas Bear in that regard so the Flyers are getting the scoring from their expected sources and uh, I really like what I saw to Wayne Simmons he came back he's a Toronto native and he came back to the Air Canada Centre last week and put on a great show in a, in a tremendous hockey game the Leafs wound up winning but that's a big body player that can play the game at a high tempo and I got time for those types of players on my team so I, I wanted to highlight these guys that some ex- performances were expected, others were not, but uh, the Flyers certainly are a team that compels you to look at them because of the vast number of options they have offensively. Yeah, I have to tip my cap to Claude Giroux as well, which pains me, physically pains me <laughs> to do, but he's playing fantastic. Uh, as you mentioned, those power play numbers are are tops in the league, and it's hard to beat that when you're looking for, for production on, on your uh, either daily or season-long lineups. I do think one interesting thing with this team, uh, Michael Newworth is going to be on IR uh, with an injury that he picked up, and Steve Mason hasn't been performing well as he as hasn't been performing well either. I think it's time this team should consider turning things over to Anthony Stolarz. Um, I think he's been performing well in the AHL, solid numbers, solid wins, uh, and I think he can outperform either Mason or Newworth, even if they were both healthy. I think it's time for a changing goal and to give the young guy a shot. Well, there's a call. I, I think you're just all excited about the next team though, that we're talking about. As the Pittsburgh Penguins said, the kid, 10 goals in nine games. This guy's shown me something new again this year. I wasn't, I, I would never compare him as a top goal scorer to some of the elite scorers, goal scorers in the league. He's more of a playmaking guy, but he's filling the net right now. And uh, for me, the guy to watch for is his wingman, uh, Patrick Hornquist. Uh, this sniper has 13 points in 15 games. I think this is a, a great new fit for Sid because he he had a good run with Chris Kunitz, but Kunitz's production has fallen off, and maybe now he's got a proper wingman that that can help him fill the net. And I think we can look for another big offensive season from Sydney. But but the guy who really benefits the most is Hornquist, and I'm happy to say I picked him up in daily and and season long leagues a lot. And uh, on defense, though, uh, I counter all the positive vibes. 
edge by the fact that I can point to three guys that they touted as offensively skilled guys that could help take the load off of Chris Letang, who's continuing to do what he does. And that's uh, Daly, Pouliot, and Manta. The three of these guys, they're not delivering at all, and that's going to hold this team back, I think, AJ. I do agree with with your concerns there. You know, they they've even mentioned I you know when they first brought him in, Justin Schultz was supposed to be somewhat offensively minded as well. Um, it's definitely something that they're missing. If they do decide to to uh, deal Flurry, that might be where they need to address it on this team. And you mentioned Patrick Hornquist paired up with Sidney Crosby. What I love most about watching these two guys play together is you have the first and last picks of the 2005 draft playing on the same line together. It just shows what, you know, what hockey can do if guys are willing to work hard. Hornquist, you know, was a grinder in the AHL for many years, finally got his shot and is definitely excelling alongside Sid the Kid. So every time I watch those two play together, I'm just reminded of, of how much, you know, how different their their approach or their entries into the league have really been. That's a great point. I didn't realize that about Hornquist. He's one of two guys that were the last picks in the draft to go to, uh, still playing in the NHL in their respective draft years. The other guy is a defenseman in, De- in Detroit. Um, Brent Burns for the San Jose Sharks. This guy is headed for a contract, a uh, new contract, and he's doing himself a great service. He's got 14 points, once again among the top-scoring blue liners, and a league-high 73 shots on goal. For a team that's scoring less than two and a half goals a game, these are big numbers and great points that highlight his value to this team. And in goal, Martin Jones, you got to tip your hat. He's doing it again, a 2.20 goals against average. Yeah, I, I think this is probably my favorite defensive tandem in the league. You know, you can't have an offensive guy like Brent Burns without a solid, stoic uh, defenseman paired up with him. And that's exactly Paul Martin. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, obviously probably a little biased there. He is a former Pittsburgh guy. <laughs> I'll just throw it out there, but I love this D pairing. I think they complement each other extremely well. And I think this is what some of these other offensive minded guys need. You know, I think this is part of what's caused problems for, for Roman Yossi and uh, PK Subban is that they're both offensively minded. My concern for them in goal is if anything were to happen to Martin Jones, because Aaron Dell is a very untested commodity. And so if Jones go down, goes down, it could completely sink their season. Well, I'm going to have to watch out for that. They're certainly also squeezing out good value out of the two Joes, the big and little guy, Pavelski and Thornton. So maybe they got one more, one more long run in them, but boy, they got to look at a, a youth movement there sooner rather than later. Hurdle and Nieto might be at the forefront of that, and uh, they're showing well as well so far this season. Over in St. Louis, after Vladimir Tarasenko, 17 points, there's nobody on the forward ranks who's got over 10. And uh, on defense, Alex Pietrangelo, the only D-man who's scoring at all. And in net, Jake Allen's been only ordinary so far. So this is a team that I thought had all the boxes checked at the beginning of the season, but there are some gaps that are showing up here. Is it just a matter of this team not really finding its groove yet, or are you concerned about the the real real numbers that may be indicative of the season they're in store for? I, I It's so hard to say, Paul, but I think I'm going to hedge towards, I think this is more what to expect out of these guys. You know, David Perron's been, he's had a four-point night and a three-point night, and other than that, he hasn't done much. You know, Neil Yakupov, we talked about that. Yeah. We, I think we both thought that was going to be a great move for them, and he's shown absolutely nothing. He's 
out of the lineup at this point. Looks like he could be a healthy scratch tonight. And there, there's so many pieces here. It's it's confounding why they aren't uh, gelling. But I think this is what to expect for the entire season, unfortunately. Very good. Very good. And, and then what about in Tampa? We talked a little bit about the goaltending situation, so we can get quickly past this. Vasilevsky's stats are way better than Workhorse Bishop at this point, And we think we both think a trade needs to happen. This might be the last piece in, in the, the makeover, the salary reconfiguration that Steve Eisman's pulled off with some great uh, results so maybe this is the last move in, in that whole puzzle and I think it also has an impact on the Las Vegas expansion shadow uh, that's looming now uh, as teams have to prepare for for their uh, protected lists and so on and you've got to believe that if uh, one of these goalies is available they'll be the guy that that uh, heads out to Las Vegas I absolutely agree with you Paul that's a fantastic point it, it, I think that will kind of facilitate a trade even even sooner than maybe they were hoping because you don't want to lose a guy for nothing especially not the quality of these two yeah i think that's pretty pretty clear and in toronto uh the youth movement is uh in high gear but what is up we haven't talked about some of the guys that have been uh, stuck through the the dark times and are hoping for better days and one of them at the top of that list is nazem kadri a graduate of that london ohl factory that just seems to turn out quality player after quality player i had my doubts about where kadri would wind up uh because he certainly wasn't living up to the first line hopes the least had offensively but he's got a role now as the team pest and but what i mean by that is he he's taken on some uh of the opposing team's top offensive stars and played them well head to head he's got six or seven goals and had a great time fending off these offensive guys and maybe it's true what they say when you're playing against an offensively talented guy you're going to get your chances too and uh, it's just a matter of being a little bit better than they are on the defensive side of the puck to make that happen so it's working well for him and then on defense I called uh, Morgan Riley to have an offensive breakout season and he certainly is doing that he came off a four-point game last week and just looks like he's playing with even more confidence since a fine world cup experience for him Uh, I I expect him to be north of 40 points at the end of the season yeah I I think Kadri for me is one of those guys you mentioned before you put an x uh, through a team and I think he's one for me I I have probably ignored this team for for too long um, there so yeah, Kadri, he's got great numbers even, you know, the last two seasons. Um, so a big miss by me there. Not afraid to admit that. Um, I, I do actually, Paul, I've, I gave you some grief a, a couple of weeks ago, mostly just kidding about a, a Matthew scoring drought, but two assists in his last nine games and that's it. I, I have some concerns there. I know he's young. I'm, I'm sure he'll power through that. Um, but, you know, he was probably a big pick for a lot of fantasy owners, probably went high in most drafts. You know, are, are, is he just not getting opportunities? You you probably watch those games more than I do. Are the opportunities not coming, or is he not capitalizing on what he's getting? You know what? In the last three games, he's hit the post three or four times. Uh, other players are knocking in rebounds, so that's how he's got his last two assists, actually, off the shots that rang off the pipe, and he's still getting a lot of shots on goal. So I think the opportunities are still coming. That's a good sign. He's still getting a chance to play power play minutes. That's a good sign. And the chemistry that he has with with uh, Nylander is still on display. There are several times where these guys bottle up opposing teams in their own end, and they just throw the puck around with abandon and great confidence. So his confidence is not suffering at all during this streak. He had he has had a couple of assists, but he could have a pile more points. Just been unlucky. I mean, he's wound up on the wrong end of the highlight reel too, with some goalies making an ex- exceptional saves off him. 
this kid has talent coming out of, out of every uh, part of his body. I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to be a star for years to come, and I'm not at all worried about this this little blip on the radar. Sounds good, Paul. Yeah, I'm glad glad to hear it. Uh, like I said, a lot of a lot of fantasy owners out there probably took him pretty high, so um, good to know he's still getting the the opportunities uh, and that it's not a a lack of um, experience in the NHL that seems to be holding him back. And uh, as far as Vancouver goes, there's a great clip of the former Vikings head coach saying they are who we said they were. And this is a bad team. They've got to look at trading Ryan Miller because uh, Jakob Markstrom is actually outplaying him by a wide margin in goal, and Miller's got that big contract for another year or two. Uh, they got to rebuild and blow this thing up, pure and simple. Couldn't agree more there, Paul. Um, I, I do think the concern is, is anybody actually going to want Ryan Miller? Um, you know, he's, he's been down ever since he left Buffalo, and his numbers just haven't been great. Um, you know, maybe a, a good rental, maybe an injury situation. If, if somebody gets banged up, maybe a team that needs, uh, you know, a holdover while somebody's out could be a, a good spot for him. But I'm not sure anybody would take him at this point. And I, I agree with that assessment, too. In Washington, I know you and I work on the lineup sweeps every day, and we have to both be alarmed by the fact that they've put Jay Beagle on the first line with one Alex Ovechkin. That's not real, is it? No, I don't think so. I, this seems like a, a temporary shakeup at practice uh, just to get in guys' heads a little bit. I, I would expect that their morning skate today, that everything's back to normal. You know, you'll have Backstrom back up there, Beagle slot down to probably the fourth line, maybe the third. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just temporary. A, a coach getting into the heads of the players, telling them that, that nobody's spot is safe. And uh, in terms of the blue line, they've got exactly two goals from a whole defense defense core that includes Matt Niskanen and uh, John Carlson the guy that's got both of those is a defensive specialist Kyle Alsner so they've got to get more from that blue line as well over in Winnipeg certainly Austin Matthews struggles look bad when you compare with the fact that Patrick Laine leads the loop in rookies scoring with 11 goals he's playing with Mark Shifley who we both called for a breakout season and that's working out fine he's got 20 points himself but on the negative side one Dustin Bufflin has no goals so far this year yeah, that's definitely a huge concern. Um, there, the lack of scoring from the, the defensive end, and, and Jakob Truba hasn't done much either. It's only been a few games. You know, he's still got to ease into it, but um, yeah, there's there's nothing coming from the from the blue line, which is a concern. It, the other, you know, worrying part is they've got, by my count, six guys on injured reserve right now. It's a banged up team. And, you know, they're right on the cusp of, of doing something this season. And, and I think they need to stay healthy if they're going to, you know, make the playoffs and, and go anywhere. Great point, AJ. Now, we have uh, gotten more than a month into the season. We tried to give you some of the highlights in the first segment of team, uh, teams with players that are underperforming and overperforming. But we also have to take a, a bit of a look at who's being added and who's being dropped in fantasy leagues. Certainly, we mentioned Michael Grabner, a surprising uh, offensive part of the Rangers situation. His ownership has gone up 25% in the past week. Uh, Patrick Maroon over in Edmonton kind of fits the same profile. He's getting a chance at first-line minutes in Edmonton, AJ. Yeah, I, I think Patrick Maroon is would be on my list of, of guys that were added a little too soon. You know, he's... Uh, you know, he, he could be knocked off that, that top line at any point by Milan Lucic. 
And his power play numbers really aren't there. He's got just one assist with the, the man advantage. So I, I, I think this is a little bit of a, of a too quick of a grab there. And what about uh, Brady Skay of the Rangers? This guy's got a plus five and nine points in 16 games. This is a, a team that's traditionally struggled with production from the blue line. They got no goals from him or, or McDonough, but those are the two, two top point producers. Should we lean on this guy and say that the goals will come and the points will continue to come? I think you, if you're in a, in a tough uh, D situation, you have to, you know, points from the blue line seem to be a little bit down this year. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to find a guy that can at least provide some uh, consistency. And anytime you can get a guy that plays on a power play, it's, it's a must add, I think. And uh, in Winnipeg, a couple of years ago, they drafted a, a smallish player. They've got a ton of big guys, so they could afford to fit a little guy. And they're Nikolai Ehlers. And they expected big offensive things to come from him. He's got 14 points in 17 games. Maybe the future is now. Do you buy? I do buy on him, especially given the the injuries there in Winnipeg. I think he's going to get some play time for a little bit. Um, you know, you may have to try and either sell him or drop him right before uh, some of those banged up guys get healthy because he could slide down the, the depth chart there. But um, for now, I think he's a great ad. And another guy that I think is a great ad is... Uh, a guy I love a guy like a Nick Felino. This guy can play the game any way you like. He's a big body player who can fly up and down the ice, but also doesn't mind the heavy going. And so far, he's got 16 points, a plus six, and seven points on the power play. Some of that was in those blowout games that we mentioned, but he's going to get those opportunities all season long. And uh, you mentioned J- Jacob Truba. What do you expect from this kid going forward? There's a lot of people buying into him right now. I think it's another uh, add too soon guy. You know, he's only two games in, and he do, but he doesn't have any points. And I think it's going to take him time to get up to speed. I think ho- I, I would hope that most people who picked him up have room to stash him for a little bit, that they are trying to get ahead of the curve a little bit, because uh, I don't think he's going to do much in the, in the next week or two. Um, it'll take him a little while to get adjusted. But if you can stash him, if you've got the empty spot, it's not a bad guy to have, you know, once he gets acclimated. And one guy who's gotten acclimated out of a circumstance in Dallas is Antoine Roussel. This guy all of a sudden finds himself in a top six role and delivering the goods. 11 points, three is three, uh, plus three on the plus minus, some points on the power play. Is he taking advantage of this short-term opportunity enough for you to say he retains a role in that regard when uh, the big guys come back? He's not, in my opinion, Paul, because I think he's playing on borrowed time here. You know, Sharp and Egan, uh, I think, are getting close. Uh, You know, if you picked him up, he's definitely done some good things for you. But I think you need to time his drop right, you know, right at the right time. Maybe you can trade him away and and get something for him right before, uh, you know, Sharp and Egan uh, return to the lineup. And then we'll close this part by saying there's two goalies there. One guy, Peter Budai, who's taken advantage of John Quick's role. His ownership is up to 61% in in fantasy leagues. And uh, I think that's a short-term thing, but you got to ride the hot opportunity. The more interesting one for me is the one we teased a little bit about, Jimmy Howard and Peter Mrazek in Detroit. Howard's ownership has seen a spike. But I think Mrazek's the guy they got to lean to long term, don't you? Even this year. Yeah, I agree. I think between the two of them, uh, I would buy on Budai first. Uh, I think the uncertainty there as far as when they're going to get, you know, quick um, uh, back makes it, you know, a better option. I think Mrazek's the long term solution in Detroit. So I think Howard's numbers are eventually going to drop off a little bit as they they try and get uh, 
Mazinek, you know, back up and running. Yeah, and then in in Chicago, let's talk at some of the guys that are headed in the other direction. Uh, Richard Ponick is no longer on the on the first line in in Chicago, so you wonder is his star on the decline uh, permanently, or or do you think he gets another chance to re- revive the early start? I, I think he's someone that that you should be holding on to. You know, he he did drop out of the top six. Uh, you know, got bumped by Marion Hosa there. But he's still a young player. He's going to have those up and downs. I think if you can stash him away uh, and, and keep him until he gets, you know, warmed up again a little bit, I, I think he's worth keeping. I wouldn't drop him quite yet. And uh, another guy on the negative side of the ledger, Michael Neuverth. Is is he injured? What's the status with this guy in Philadelphia? Do you think he's going to be a part of the mix before too long? What What do we do with him? I would dump him immediately. I, I think his numbers have been bad to begin with, so I, I would have dumped him just because of that. But you add in the injury. As I mentioned, Anthony Stolarts is coming in, and I think that's the way that Philadelphia should go in net uh, over even Mason. But even if they continue doing what they're doing, Newberth and Mason have been splitting time, which you never want, especially in your season-long leagues, and his numbers just aren't there. I think this is a... Honestly, I think it's a dump that should have never happened. I don't know why you would have picked him up in the first place, but you know maybe there's some Flyers fans out there that just felt they wanted their hometown goalie, but I wouldn't have started with him in the first place, so get rid of him if you can. One more name on this list that I want to highlight in Calgary. We touched on the fact that defense is not delivering. TJ Brody was one of those guys in the last year that was a 40-point guy. His star is really in decline. Uh, symptomatic of what's gone on in Calgary, really. But I think there's a lot of talent there. I wouldn't dump this guy right now. Scoring defensemen aren't that easy to find, and I say he gets the ship right. Do you agree? I do agree. I like the fact that he's still getting minutes on the power play. They haven't. They clearly haven't given up on him yet. You know that team is going to be what it is. Uh, you know they're going to hurt you periodically, but I think Brody can get back on track. Okay, let's remind people that we're not here here to talk about hockey. We have to also give a nod to our friends at FanDuel for the great uh, opportunities they present on the football side. Fantasy football fans have all the victory every Sunday with FanDuel. Fantasy football for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every week. No busted season. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score in real time. New this year, there's an upgraded experience, AJ. Get even more contest variety. Try beginner contests for new players only. Settle a score with a friend in a head-to-head deal. Try a 50-50 contest where the top half win cash. Play in larger tournaments for even more excitement. Play for as little as a dollar, which I, which is where I like to go. The choices for every budget. Uh, AJ, I, in terms of our experiences, I can say, and I'm looking forward to the next time I go on the air with my DFS uh, podcast, NFL podcast host, John McKechnie, we had a head-to-head battle, and I clobbered him. So I think he'll be hiding under his desk when we get together again because I had probably the best week of my season. And uh, I really cleaned up in terms of our staff Vegas league. I know you and I are both sitting there with seven and three records and likely headed to the playoffs, but we're in respective, uh, in separate pools. I, I would love to see you in, in the Super Bowl for the whole thing. Yeah, I, I'm feeling good about this week. I, I really cleaned up in, in that league. I have uh, both Zeke Elliott and DeMarco Murray at running back. So great week for me. Um, I was the highest scoring team this week with those two guys. Uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Zeke Elliott there. Paul, I have to ask, how are you feeling about the decision in Dallas to go with Dak Prescott over Tony Romo? And do you think this is a temporary thing or is this a long-term switch? Let me put it to you this way. If you thought the uh, 
the demonstrating after the election was something, you would have seen it on a 10 times that scale if they would have switched from, from uh, Dak Prescott. This guy's done everything right. And uh, there's not any baggage with him. He just comes to play, knows the game, the playbook inside out, apparently, and and has really uh, shown the leadership of this team, the veterans of this team, that he's ready to play and deliver. Uh, and and uh, there's been no off-field distractions, really. The, the guy seems to be the real deal. He's outperformed two guys that were higher than him in terms of the draft. And that's... Uh, that he's beaten them handily in head-to-head action. So he's well insulated by the quality of this team. There's no reason to make a change now. They're 8-1, the best record in football. You don't change the quarterback in that circumstance. No way, no how. So uh, let's go. Let's continue with the read. Uh, we've talked about some players that have been good for us, but we invite people to play in the Rotowire Championship that's going on at FanDuel. Uh, you can get there by going to fanduel.com slash rotowire hyphen championship. That's FanDuel.com slash Rotowire hyphen championship. Have all that fantasy football has to offer, friends. FanDuel, the sports rich. There's a special offer right now for new users, in fact. They get a free six-month subscription at Rotowire with a $10 deposit on FanDuel. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. Not only will you get that free subscription, but you'll have that $10 available to play with on FanDuel as well. That's over $40 in value for just $10. Go to FanDuel.com slash RW. And going to FanDuel.com is what we're doing right now with our lineups for tonight's games. There's a big slate of 13 on the schedule. Who do you like at center, AJ? So I'm going to start off with, uh, I'm going to pay up a little bit for Mark Shifley, 7,500. He's just been on a tear lately. Uh, The team's been doing well too. I really like him to put up some points there. Um, and then for my other center, I'm going to go with uh, Hayes at, at 4,900. Um, this is more of a, a matchup pairing. They're going up against Vancouver, and I, I like them uh, you know, against whoever they put in goal, to be honest with you, in Vancouver tonight. Uh, so Hayes is more of a, a matchup uh, decision on, on, for me. All right. Who, uh, uh, who you got down the middle? Uh, well, we talked about uh, Claude Giroux. I like the fact that he's going up against uh, an Ottawa team that doesn't play the defensive side of the puck very well. He's going to get power play opportunities against this team and sc- chances to score for $7,200. I'm all in on him. And then Jonathan Taves, who doesn't get a lot of credit for his offensive exploits, but when the team comes north to play in that Western Canada road swing, it seems to me that they put on a show, and this guy's at the center of it. They're in Winnipeg tonight. I expect that to be a real one of the better games on the table tonight. And for 6900 bucks, I think Taves is going to be in the score sheet and the summary there. You're four wingers, my friend. So I'm going to go a little contrarian here. I'm going to start off with Ehlers. Um, I'm, I got my lineup set in the, the 5k Tuesday NHL one timer. So I'll invite our listeners to join me in that contest. Um, but when you're in those bigger contests, you know, sometimes you got to go a contrarian pick. I don't think a lot of people are going to be on Winnipeg with them going up against the Hawks. Um, so I've got Ehlers for 6,100 and then the rest of my picks, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm doing matchup oriented. I tried to go against teams that were giving up a lot of goals so I've got Hoffman um, with Ottawa for 5,600. He's going up against the Flyers who are leaking goals. Uh, and then I've got uh, Coyle from Minnesota who's going up against Calgary. And then uh, my my favorite guy on, on your team, Paul, Mitch Martiner uh, with Toronto going up against Nashville uh, for just 5,000 there. My silent assassin there, uh, you know, <laughs> quietly accumulating points. 
Uh, what are you doing on the on the wings, Paul? Well, I'm going to talk about a couple. We we talked about three of the guys that I actually all four of them on this show that I including in my lineup, but none of them is a high end offensively uh, offensive performer. When you look at the price tags, the highest of all is Nate McKinnon at sixty two hundred bucks. This guy's underperformed big time in Colorado this this year so far. I'm hoping that he has a breakout game against an LA team that's had a long road trip. They started it well by bombing the Leafs. I was in attendance for a 7-0 shellacking. Did not enjoy that night. But since then, L.A. struggled mightily on this road trip. And I think that continues in Colorado tonight. We were on uh, the wrong side of the Vancouver game last week. And I'm, gonna, I'm hoping that I'm not going to be on that side again this week. I've got a couple of Rangers in my lineup. First of all, on the offense with J.T. Miller. We spoke about him and a great fit. He's been in the top six. $5,200. That's one of the value plays on the board, I think, today. And uh, in rounding out my wings, I've got Alex Ander-Radiloff. I spoke about his value to the Canadians. First line minutes, first line power play. You get all that for fifty eight hundred bucks against a Florida team that's struggling to put the puck in the net. I think Montreal comes out on top of the matchup, and Radulov factors in. And then finally, Dylan Larkin, who was the first guy to crack the Detroit lineup as a teenager in eons, he's still the real deal out there and getting top six minutes. And uh, in a big game, a home game for Detroit against Tampa. This is a huge rivalry game and an important battle that I think he has to come out on top for $5,300. I'm all over this one. The the defenseman of choice tonight for you. So I'm going to go with PK Subban at 6,300. You know, the, the Maple Leafs do give up goals. Unfortunately, Paul, you know, Subban hasn't been great this year, so you can get him for a little bit of a discount compared to, you know, where he might've been a lot of last season. Um, And I look for him to actually finally get it together tonight and then my other D-man, uh, I'm going to go Ryan Sutter for 5,600. Again, this is stacking against Calgary. I think that team's got some serious problems, and, and Sutter's been able to, to tally some goals. Paul, what do you got for your blue line? Well, one of the guys, the guy that I talked about earlier in the show, and I'm going to make a homer pick, Morgan Riley is among the top-scoring defensemen. I predicted a breakout season for him, and he's looking all, all the world for that. He's still, uh, I guess FanDuel doesn't believe in him because he's south of the $5,000 plateau. So I'm on that one at $4,900. Tough to score against Nashville, but I think if the Leafs get any offense, it'll it'll start with number 44. So I'm happy to put him in tonight's lineup. And then I'll round out the defense with Ryan McDonough, who is the first pairing guy on the power play and regular minutes. $5,000 is the price tag. I always look for that kind of profile when I'm talking about uh, defensemen. You know I don't like to spend big there, so you won't see Brent Burns in my lineup too many times this year. But these guys are in the lower rent district that are just apt to bruise almost as much there. In the Nets to finish it up. So I'm going to go with Craig Anderson. He's 9,000 tonight. Um, he's been playing out, outstanding for, for much of the year. Um, and again, this is a matchup one. He's going up against the Flyers who uh, have been somewhat disappointing. I think I think he can get the win against them. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love what Anderson's doing, especially with all the off-ice stuff that's uh, you know, got to be a, a tough distraction for him. No uh, what about What about you and Nat, Paul? Uh, I'm going to pick Martin Jones for San Jose. I talked about the, guy, the fact the guy's got a 2.20 goals against. That's probably what Carolina's scoring is uh, for the whole season to date. So I like the fact that it's a shutdown defense against a team that struggles to score. And I get that for 8500 bucks. To me, that was an easy pick, one of the easier ones on the board uh, when you're looking at likely goalie wins. Now, let's get to our favorite part of the show. We talk about the stud of the week. I teased it in the opening. 
Carey Price, my goodness, what can you say about this guy? He's undefeated this year and uh, really almost undefeated going back the last couple of years in terms of all the goals against being under two shutouts coming on. And uh, all this guy does is win and infuse this team with a confidence and expectation. They're undefeated at home, easily the league's MVP if you were to stop the season right now. Yeah, he's got the best start to an NHL season for a goaltender all time with the, the 10 consecutive wins. He's, he needs seven more to reach uh, Gillis Gilbert, who admittedly I had never heard of, uh, who had 17 in a season. Do you think he can get there, Paul? That's Gilles Gilbert. He's French. Where's the French side of you, man? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was a Boston goalie of note, partnered with Jerry Cheevers. I saw him play the tail end of his career. A pretty good goalie for his part, but Boston had a really good team in front of them, just as the Canadians do. Uh, I I just, when I look at Carey Price, I got to say, this is one of a few Montreal Canadiens that I like as a player. Uh, It's a team when you're a Leaf fan, you don't like the Montreal jersey, you don't like the Montreal players, but there's a couple of guys that transcend that, and Carey Price is one for me. You came up with an interesting rant of the week. Uh, It's probably one that we could make every year at this time with the Hall of Fame, so I'll let you run with it. Yeah, so for the rant of the week, I went with the Hockey Hall of Fame and them limiting the number of players that get in to just four. Um, I'm certainly not suggesting it be anything crazy like 10. You know, we don't need to be, you know, plugging guys in just for the sake of plugging guys in. But when you have only four slots and then you have a, a player like Timo Solani, who's a lock to get in in his first year next season, you're looking at only three spots still being open next year. Uh, and it really creates a log jam, you know, to briefly touch on 2017, you know, you've got Timo, he's a lock for sure. But then you're deciding between Chris Osgood, Paul Correa, Jeremy Roenick, Alexander McGillney, Dave Anderchuk, just to name a few. And uh, those last two guys, McGillney and Anderchuk are already in their ninth year of eligibility. And so I just, I, it seems like a mistake to limit it to four years. I like what baseball does with kind of the voting and whoever reaches a certain percentage, that's how many guys get in. It's not necessarily capped. Um, maybe you could speak to some ideas there, Paul, a little bit about what you think. Um, but I think limiting it to four is a definite mistake. Yeah, I do too. And then I also wonder about what kind of conversations are going on when, we, when they make the, these picks. I know you and I both uh, were sh- surprised by the addition, inclusion of Rogi Vashon in this year's clash class. This guy last played in 1982. It's been over 30 years since he last donned the pads. Why is he getting in now? Well, the fact of the matter is his his stats looked a lot better when he retired than they do now. He was the fifth highest goalie in terms of wins at the time of his retirement. Now he's not even in the top 20, I don't think. And and the goals against average was right around three middling numbers when he was playing behind a powerhouse Montreal team for the bulk of his career and also a pretty good Los Angeles team as well. I believe it sounds like somebody called in a favor here, and it leads me to talk about how they make these choices. There's a 20-man panel, AJ, that does this. And and basically, one guy stands up in that room, makes a case for a player, and it could be because a friend of that player caused him to do so. Well, in this case, it's clear to me that it was Scotty Bowman, who's on the board selection committee, who has a loud voice in that room, who's, who stood up for Rogi Vashon, and he won support just because of his profile more than Rogi Vashon's, if I might say. And then you look at some of the names you mentioned, Mogilny and Andrichuk. I cannot believe that both of these guys are still waiting to get in when, when a guy like a Clark Gillies, who was lucky to play with Mike Bossy and Brian 
Ryan Trotche is already in, and he scored like 250 goals less than both of these guys. So it baffles me, but it's just on a case-by-case basis, and that's a shame. Yeah, I'll be honest, Paul. I never heard of uh, Rogi. How, how did you say that last it, name again? His full name is Rogatan Vachon, another French name. you got to go to French studies, my friend. <laughs> but uh, Rogi yeah. Vachon, he was a goalie, goalie of some repute. He also backstopped the Canada in uh, 1976, arguably the best team that uh, Team Canada's ever iced. So he had some pro- high-profile opportunities, three Stanley Cup wins. But, boy, he wasn't the signature player in any of those contests as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And to your point, Paul, I think it says a lot that, you know, I'm, I'm in my late twenties and and I've never heard of the guy. Um, you know, I, I do remember watching Andrew Chuck and McGillney play together for the Sabres. And I have to just say, having grown up in Buffalo at that time, I can't believe that team never won a cup, but (laughs) it is what it is. Um, they had some real good talent there. Um, but yeah, I, I I think it's time for a change in, in how they decide these guys. Well, AJ, I'm I'm going to remind inform our listeners rather. I'm going to go on vacation for the next week and understand that you've already found someone to work with on the next episode of Puckcast. We went a little long on this one because I want to have my average words per week stay up there. I think is, is my motivation. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how to take the fact that you replaced me so quickly, but why don't you tip off our tip off our listeners about who's going to be joining you in the co-host chair next week? Yeah, so I'm going to be joined by uh, Rotowire NHL managing editor and resident Red Wings fan, Mike Gay. Uh, Mike is uh, he's not only knowledgeable about all things hockey, but he's also a big DFS player. Uh, certainly, there's no replacing the stats man, uh, but Mike G should be a great guest fill-in while you're away. Well, I'm going to tune into the pod, probably listen to it on the beach in Florida, and uh, I wish you good luck in the captain's chair and encourage our listeners to tune in next time when uh, AJ takes the takes the lead uh, chair, and I'm sure you're going to do a great job with that. Now, that's going to do it for this week's show, reminding you to send your comments or questions on Twitter. Follow AJ at AJSholes24, that's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-24, or Z if you're in Canada. And you can follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22. We ask you to look out for pod- podcast hockey pod every week at Rotowire so that you get the latest news and our tips to stay ahead of the competition in your fantasy contests. So long, everybody. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R.